Hello, everyone, and welcome back to You Have to Wear Something. I'm still your guest, Nicole Briggs, and today we're going to have a, a spicy little chat with my good friend, great friend, <laughs> Tina Walker, about massage noir. Um, Tina is a fellow Chicagoan. We've been having amazing <laughs> conversations since the mid-90s, and um you know, this is our first time actually being able to record one of those amazing conversations. Um, and just the basics on massage noir, if this, this is new to you, it is a term coined by Moya Bailey, a queer black feminist, and it blends the words misogyny, hatred of women, and the French word for black, noir. So to explain the intersectional racism and sexism, sexism that black women experience, it manifests in many ways, including the adultification of black girls, stereotypes, racial bias in the healthcare system, and cultural appropriation. So where do we start? Welcome, Tina, to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nicole. Um, it's very glad to be here. All right. And Tina, you know, I mean, having experienced high school with Tina, we both know full well what that's like to, you know, be a subject of just in general, male gaze, it doesn't even have to be white male gaze. Um, what it's like to be adultified and sexualized as a teen in Chicago. Uh, Chicago's a tough town. And, um, you know, I mean, these kids, I don't even know if they're even taking the, the L or the train to school anymore, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, you know, it's just as the years go by, I think. I was reflecting earlier today about how things really haven't changed very much in yeah. terms of how black women are presented or objectified, you know, in our society. And then also to the expectations right. of black women haven't really to come, changed. To come full circle too, you seeing other ed educators and other leaders in the lives of black children and how they're treated on the daily. Yes, and I think that's the thing too that is also giving me like a lot of pause just around um and and I do want to go further to say that what we're talking about it really doesn't stop or start at race. It's much bigger than that. So these are black educators also, you know, applying these roles right. to black females too. It's not just like kind of like a white thing or like a a non-black thing. No, this is just something that has, has become an American thing. Yeah, young girls in general um, are over-sexualized. And um, when you look at, you know, teen pop stars, I mean, I was watching, it was so funny, I was watching, I'm recovering from the uh, Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight verses. And, um, you know, Lady Marmalade, they had uh, Christina Aguilera singing Lady Marmalade at, on the Mickey Mouse show. And I'm pretty sure that song is about a brothel. Like, yeah, yeah. As I, as I recall, it's definitely about <laughs> women of the night. Ladies of the night, which, you know, all work matters. Sex workers, sex work is work, you know, at the end of the day. But I don't knock the hustle. I don't knock the hustle. Yeah, but maybe not at, at 12 years old. And so, you know, right away, you know, we it's, it's, it's that intersectionality. We got to talk about patriarchy. We have to talk about men in general as an umbrella. And then how all the different 
groups of women are treated along that journey as they grow up. Um, and unfortunately, here on this soil, it kind of goes back to everyone's favorite topic, comfortable things, slavery. Um, we all love <laughs> slavery. Nothing, nothing brightens a dinner party more than uh, slavery, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, you bust out slavery and, like, everybody's going to want to be your new best friend. <laughs> yeah, especially no. when you're the uh, token black at the dinner party. You're like, you know anyway. what? Slavery. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. why don't black yeah. kids swim? Well, you know, let's go into gym yeah, no. um, Right, let's talk. You do really want to talk about it. So, you're right. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just... Yeah, in slavery. Um, so I, I just feel like anything that being, I guess, at the top of the white women, it's even worse for black women. They say like if the white economy catches a cold, the black economy catches pneumonia. You know, so it's if you make policy or make change that supports, you know, women of color, just by default, all women kind of benefit. It's, it's better to kind of pass policy and make change for those who are the most like marginalized right a rising side lifts all boats so right. yeah right. Like when that when those policies are made everybody can kind of like you know capitalize in on it and i'm okay with that but i do think that itself in itself it has been like a big part of the stereotype of like the stereotype of the black woman as like you know the savior of the world Right, right. I mean, right here in America, I mean, God, I can't believe it's 50 days until the election. The two original sins of America, basically getting rid of the genocide of the indigenous and then the country's economy being started with, you know, free black labor. Um, you know, it, it starts with the controlling of the black bodies in slavery, right? You said we exactly. are really good um oh the black body is about, a fetish you know, object black bodies yeah, yeah. that was somebody's and dissertation oh that was your dissertation okay it wasn't well, mine no also... it wasn't my dissertation but that was someone's dissertation that was like on 20 years ago and i thought that was just so masterfully written i'm so glad you liked it oh i love that because it does seem like america really loves to absorb black people and black culture in a very specific kind of way. And a lot of it has to do with things that involve the black body, where it's for entertainment, whether it's for pleasure, and unfortunately, whether it's for pain all the way from slavery yes. to, you know, what we're seeing in terms of police brutality. So yeah. it's just all At prison. these At prison. ways. Prison. Oh, the incarcerated. I mean, I feel like that's a whole other show. It, that about, it like, is but yeah it is it's just yet another way that that body is being controlled yeah yeah slavery right is the incarcerated i mean buyers here and not getting paid they just passed legislation saying that you know incarcerated um firefighters can you know enter a program after they get out to become actual firefighters and apparently their pay is about to go up um, but, well, that's good yeah, because that's I read good. yesterday. I was reading about the wildfires, and I was like, the the article actually mentioned like, oh, the wildfires are really getting out of control because they can't use the incarcerated firefighters' help. 
Right. And I was right. like, oh. I mean, another, <laughs> another crazy thing I saw, I saw basically migrant workers, which let's be honest, they're undocumented workers, you know, from Mexico. And they were, you know, pulling crops and, you know, harvesting our food and with the fires in the background. You know, with just a simple mask yeah. on, but they need N95 masks. And so this country, it's really about this control, I think, of of people of color. And it's just even worse because when you're a woman and you're black, your 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 other box is checked multiple times. You're like a triple minority almost. And yeah. um there's this there's this comfort. Um, you know, like this thing with um Marcus Houston. What did, what did you think about that when he married that? But I got line for being critical of Marcus Houston being forty and marrying a nineteen year old. Oh yeah, I noticed that people had like a lot of strong opinions about that. But as far as I'm personally concerned, to me, it's just kind of like we know that those like May December marriages have been like historically very common just throughout history. I mean, not necessarily even in this country. Edgar Allan Poe married his 13-year-old cousin. You know, he was like, well, into his 40s. Um, Elvis Presley. Priscilla. Charlie Chaplin. Just, I mean, just go on, and the list goes on, on and on. Of someone like being married to somebody significantly younger than them. And so like, as a rule, I kind of try not to like, make a comment about who someone's in love with because I think that's like that's the easiest way to like upset somebody and also too we're on the outside looking in but I'll just have to say from my own experience I don't really understand why would you want to um, be in a relationship with someone that's young enough to be your child yeah, I just, I, I have heard some what is there beyond a power dynamic I just think that people are not being honest about wanting to have sex with children. Yeah. A, la, yeah. a la R. Kelly. They're not, they're not being honest about it because when you look at porn, one comment I got in my DMs was from a, a white man, of course. And uh, he said, you know, if she's old enough to make a OnlyFans, which is, you know, that, that porn platform, then she's old enough to get married. And it was just so much sexism and racism and patriarchy in that comment that I just had to say you know be be blessed and be blocked because you are not even at a point where do we start women's studies American slavery there's so much pedophilia (laughs) yeah like that's that's right yeah that's just like Uh, um, remember that comment like oh if you're old enough to bleed you're old enough to you know and it's just like, huh? Like, who said that? Right. Who said that? Like, if who said that, the origin of who said that, right? Who said that? So, I just don't understand um, a lot of the laws around when you can have sex, when you decide to have sex. Consent laws are obviously made by, let's be honest, old white men who want to get their groove on with someone as young as possible. I mean, and, you know, back then it was, it was another form of um, 
ownership too. Like you really only had two jobs. You could be a wife or you could be a prostitute. Basically. And there just weren't enough men anyway. So like statistically, you know, the women outnumbered the men anyway. I know. I noticed that. uh, Well, they say that women are 51% of the population um, which means we should be running shit. I don't know why, but we can't get united on that because of, you know, the powers that be have wives and sisters and cousins who, <laughs> you know, have no interest in true equality and equity because they're living comfortably. And so, you know, the Melania Trumps of the world are not going to fight for our rights, right? Because she don't have to work. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely don't don't look to them but yeah we outnumber uh, men view women still as as objects as a flavor as a spice you know and um that leads into basically stereotypes you know i mean when was the first time you started to feel like people were kind of projecting onto you or treating you like a stereotype All right, all right. All right. <laughs> We're having a good time in 2020. Having a ball. Having a ball with technology. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. If things aren't going wrong, is it even 2020? You have to pinch yourself. Are you awake? Right, right. So, you know couple of shows in the beginning of my journey my podcast journey because I was a horrible editor and people's wi-fi like my mom will call so now I have my little routine down but as we were saying we were going to get into some of the ways um that specifically black girls are um adultified, sexualized, um, such as, you know, within our own community, it's not even so much like white people do this to the, to us, but because young black girls were the minute they, what they call get their cycle, get their first blood would then be prepped for becoming pregnant to to make more slaves and you know we're told by those not to be fast and we don't even know what that means yet but when you're telling someone not to be something you're introducing it to them as well exactly and that's very common don't be fast or look at them they got their hand on their hip they're being fast that could start as early as like the age of two Oh, yeah. I mean, you watch these reels or like TikTok and I don't I don't want to see children doing a WAP challenge. Yeah, You know, that's that's just me. <laughs> no, I, I, just not my cup of tea either. <laughs> but like, it's not my cup of tea to see children talking about wet ass pussy. It's just, just inappropriate. It's just inappropriate. Some things are just inappropriate. Uh, and unfortunately, what I think has happened with being American is that I feel like black people as a community and black men have had 
the example of how white men treat women and have come up with their own version of that, you know, and um, that's the example they have coming out of being property and then um, being assimilated into just normal day-to-day life and starting your own families and communities and things like that because um, there's a lot of patriarchal issues within the community as well but also unlike everywhere like I would say the four most prominent stereotypes are the Jezebel the sassy black woman the angry black woman and the strong black woman and I still have people telling me oh you're so strong you're so strong like I'm strong by default. I've been forced into being strong. Um, but yeah, like this idea that we are born, you know, right. to, be, to be insatiable. Like, right. <laughs> like the black person is just so freaky. Like the black lady just can't get enough, man. She's got to <laughs> have it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens to, um, you know, the Hispanic and the Latinx community, too, that they're the spicy Latino, you know, that's another stereotype, too, that we just, you know, people of color just can't get enough, right? Yeah, that's, like, it's, that's pretty constant. In fact, um, when I um, worked on the trading floor, I worked at the CBOE Stock Options Exchange, and um, I got to know a lot of the guys down there. And I just just like remember being appalled, even though I was like still pretty young. I was about nineteen at the time, but I just remember being kind of shocked. Like one of my my friends, a white guy, he's like, "I'm just gonna be honest with you." He's like, "You know, in our culture, you're not a man, so you've had a black woman." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, you're not a man, so you like, you know, bang a black girl." I'm like, "Oh," he's like, "Yeah, it's like a rite of passage." Right. And it was right. just like a long pause because I was just like really at the time just didn't even know how to respond to that and just the, this idea that it would be like a check mark or like a, a a rite of passage for somebody. Again, just this like object that you get a taste of, like a tasty meal. Like I remember right. you so... ain't live until you try this. <laughs> this is like Right. Um, just disgusting. And then being like 10 and 11 and you know how like your body is changing. You're already so awkward and uncomfortable with it. It's just like the worst. Those are like the worst years and you're already going through it. And I would have, you know, grown men with, I remember like men with gray hair. So like 40, 50 coming up to me and asking me if I'm a virgin uh, if they could take me out, like take me out where to the playground? What? Where are we going? <laughs> like you and like, I take me on vacation to the to the Bahamas? Like what? What's what, about to happen? What does this? What does this entail? And and I think, um, men are not conditioned to not sexualize versus women get all the responsibility of not keeping men from desiring them. You know, don't dress like this and don't right. act like this, you, you know, because we're going to just turn them on so much. And all of that contributes to, like, rape culture. And and it's just like we have to start raising boys, you know, to men. Just this boys will be boys. Locker room shit is just 
outdated and over like these same principles of like centuries ago still exist today like your wife is not your property your girlfriend is not your property she doesn't have to have sex with you she doesn't want to like women so many women consent to sex out of coercion you know rape is not always violent sometimes it's like I can have sex to keep from getting beat up you know what I mean Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it it can be like a tool or a bargaining chip sometimes. And I just think that overall, our culture has a really long way to go with regards to just respecting people. Because it really, to me, yeah. when I think about it, it's an it's a issue of respect. And do you mean American culture or do you mean uh, African-American culture? Okay, so I'll say American culture. And then, you know, a subset, of course, African-American culture. But American culture, just in general, just um, this whole idea that people are here for our entertainment. Of not looking at people as, like, they're, they're not here to entertain you. They weren't put on this earth to serve you in that way. Right. Yeah. That leads right into entertainment and the way that in movies, you know, the sassy black woman, the sassy black friend, the friend, you know, in a high school uh, comedy and even all of those like Big Mama's House and Medea, all of those caricatures, it it starts to dehumanize us, I think. Definitely the caricatures, particularly because this this these characters, these cartoons, if you will, um, they almost they're larger than life, and then they become these like archetypes, and and, and then from there they become these stereotypes of people, and and then that's the way that the world views black women, and you start to be framed. Um, in those like four major stereotypes that you mentioned before the Jezebel the black woman that is just like you know a siren the one that's you know the temptress the one that's gonna voodoo you (laughs) not the temptress (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna voodoo (laughs) you (laughs) to to, to something with them (laughs) you know you got the, the sassy one like you said the finger snapping neck popping girlfriend Who's gonna set you straight Which, and put by you the on way, the right path? If, if it's a situation that, like, you are organically moving your neck and snapping your fingers, like everybody does this. Like Asian women, white women, whenever they wanna seem like they have an attitude, they go into this black set and this caricature that's essentially co-opting like black black womanhood. It's like it's okay for them to do it. You see it. Like, I know you did it, you know, all of that. Right. Like, that yes. And then girlfriend. And, girlfriend, right. And, you know, I have like just strangers that I, I don't know from Adam, mind you, strangers. Um, I'll be in a space that I was managing, and they're like, What's up, homie? Like, I had a manager at Tesla calling me homie. Like, how is this okay? Like, there's no sup girl. Like, you don't even know me to come up to me to speak in this fashion. Like, those are colloquial terms left for my actual for my actual girlfriends. That's what the word girl girlfriends, meaning we've known each other for years and there's a comfort. 
like exactly and we are friends that are girls so we're girlfriends you see instead of just random people just kind of hey girl like you you'll get that a lot and I hate that shit. Like, we're in Starbucks. Like, what? I could be your mom. They're like, hey, girl, what can I get you today? I'm like, first of all, you know, it's just your battles. I'm just like, I'm not going to get into it with the barista today. Right. And the funny thing, the weird part about it is that people, nine times out of ten, they don't mean any harm. But it's just that we have normalized a certain way of viewing people that is to me, is only you're only viewing a small facet of you know who I am and who I have been, who I can be, and so it's just it's just so belittling. I mean, if you really want to know, I mean, I'm I'm a single lady. I'm a I'm a you know I date honest. I date everything. Mostly black men love me. Some beautiful black men, but you know you see the difference in like dating white men and like the respect goes through the roof. It's like, yes, sir. No, sir. You know, like <laughs> right away, sir. Like is this table, you know, you go to, re- is this table? Okay. Okay. Oh, here's some dessert compliments of the chef. You know, like what the fuck? You, you know, you <laughs> I've never got like, that before. <laughs> like I never get treated like that. Like it's like a respecting. It's like, oh, right away, people deflate when they see Black people, whether it's in an interview, whereas in public, like, I even was listening to Michelle Obama say that, like, so many times white people don't even see her, and she was first lady, like, jumping, you know, they just, out of their peripheral, they see Blackness, and they're just like, I'm not going to make eye contact, and if they raise their head, they would see that I was the first lady of the United States, but they're so, everyone's so conditioned to, like, just deflate, they see, see us, that there just kind of goes goes down but you know contrastly dating a black man going to a restaurant having a reservation I remember one time and we sat in the front we were waiting we had a reservation so we we're on time it's a nice place and black couple I mean white couple comes in you know uh no we, we don't have a reservation you know that the hostess seats them right away <laughs> Like, we're like, wait, we not only do we have a reservation, we are on time and we've been, you, you like made right. the people at the reservation wait and you just sat these walk ins. Like, I know enough about the restaurant industry to know that you don't, you don't do that. That's what I said. You know, to happen. We, we, right. We sat there for a while and I was like, man, they just honestly just really don't see us or respect us or give a fuck. And so it, it, it is really interesting being with white people and seeing like the respect level just rise dramatically compared to you know like let's say like those women on the that one told to get off because they were too loud so many instances we could talk about and we have a lot to be angry and that leads right into the angry yes the angry black woman that's a really powerful Uh, stereotype (laughs) and just yeah it can be accessed at any time pretty much anytime that you have something to say you are now the angry black woman by default it's like you get marginalized all day long at work or wherever at school and then you bring it to someone's attention you don't have the right to be sought uh there you go again 
here they go. <laughs> you know, uh, they'll get all angry. They're getting angry again. Time, honestly, I mean, I would say black people in general, but a black woman has plenty to be angry about, but still takes a certain level of treatment, you know, with grace, I would say. I think so. so. <laughs> honestly, when you think about it, you know, everything. This I mean, so on. many times, so many times. I mean, you know, I've received like a slur and I was ready to throw these hands, you know, and as a child, I did. I'm not going to be honest. Sometimes some people just caught these hands uh, saying the wrong thing to me. But as an adult, you have to like, you have to figure it out politically how to navigate people who never been around black people who don't have black friends so on and so on all they're learning is from the media so right and you do have to take that to consideration like, okay this person is just has they just have a very narrow narrow lens and they have limited experiences they need to be educated yeah and then i, I guess mean, that kind of go ahead go ahead oh oh no i was just gonna say that might even play into that strong black woman stereotype because you're supposed to be the strong one and you're supposed to, you know, be the Moses of your people and lead everyone to the promised land. Yeah, the strong one is the worst and it continues today. And it's like, just because you can carry it doesn't mean you enjoy it or that you should carry it the way. That's what you want to. to do. Exactly. It's like you're forced to, like, it's, I mean, especially when, you know, go back to slavery. It's like, you, we don't really have a choice but to be strong or drop dead in the cotton exactly. field. Or, you know what I mean? Seriously. Like, gynecologists, like, experimenting on Black women. And then there's no anesthesia, you know, mutilating their genitalia, um, you know, Dr. Sims or whoever he was, who's considered the father of gynecology. And and it's so ironic because Black women receive the worst health care and are like three or four times more likely to die from childbirth, even though he did all this study on Black bodies about how to have a safer childbirth. Right, like, that, that none of that research has um, really trickled out you know, in terms to be like, you know, effective in, in, for us, the subjects. Right, but uh, that strong black right. woman thing is really, really, really deeply ingrained. I think in everybody's subconscious. I recall when I was um about to give birth to my daughter, I was really trying hard. I wanted to have a natural childbirth. I wanted to try, you know, check it out. So right, you know, after about <clears throat> eight hours of labor, I was getting tired. <laughs> it was starting to take a toll on me. <laughs> oh, you were getting tired during childbirth. This is number two for yeah, you, right? She was She's the second one. So I was getting tired. I was getting really tired, actually. And I just said, you know, this really hurts. And so I told the nurse, why don't we just call the anesthesiologist in here? I'm just going to go with the epidural because, you know, it's been almost nine hours. And I'm hurting, like, kind of a lot. And I just I think I've reached, you know, my point of, like, being able to take it. And the nurse literally, and this is at, you know, Northwestern Hospital, in Chicago, the nurse, she told me, she's like, you know, I've never seen a natural childbirth. Do you think you could just hang in there a little longer? 
Oh, for her benefit. She was she wanted a show. She's never like, seen yeah, it. She's like here in Northwestern, she's like all the women, they just take, you know, they take narcotics right away to knock the edge off. And I've actually never seen a natural childbirth. And I was like, and you're not gonna see one today. Because <laughs> I've been doing I gave it the old And it's been nine hours and I really want you to get that anesthesiologist before it's too late. Yeah, you have to like beg for the pain pills. Can you I, go uh, get him, please? Yeah, you have to be like, please, pretty please. And, and sometimes they don't even respond, you know, depending on your situation, especially uh, someone poor and black. Yeah, you're right? not going to get it's anything because like, the, the thought is that, oh, you know, you're some type of potential drug addict or nah, you, you'll be okay. Right. You, you got whatever it takes to hang in there through this. Yeah, I remember, um, thank God, you know, I had my mom here for fibroid surgery and my, as I was laying there recovering, like right out of surgery, my um, blood pressure was like super high, but I couldn't see it, but she could see it. They had it like on a screen above me and I remember being being so kind of paralyzed that I couldn't say that I was in pain. I was just kind of frozen and my mom could see that it was like, you know, if your blood pressure stays too high for too long, you can have a stroke. And um, she was just begging the nurses to like, they were like, well, let's just keep an eye on it. And she was like, no, what you're going to do is bring it down now. And I remember watching my mom following nurses around and bossing them around and, you know, you shouldn't have to have an advocate there to get, you know, the care you deserve. Absolutely not. I mean, and I personally had lots of experience with the the health care industry where I have to be an advocate for my health in ways that really made me feel uncomfortable and has res- actually resulted in me like leaving a hospital because like, you're not taking my concerns seriously enough. And I don't know why. So ridiculous. <laughs> That's why, like, people say, I want, I understand people say, I want an African-American dentist or I want an African-American gynecologist because they know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that. And that, a lot of times that was the, um, what motivated them to go to medical school in the first place because they see the disparity, you know, and um, it's just, it's just, it's it's just everything around it like that's what i mean these systems of racism it's so pervasive in every industry in every way yeah and and it just amazed me like i remember talking to my daughter some years ago and just explaining to her like we were marveling we're like wow isn't it kind of crazy how like our forefathers the leaders of this country they were they were willing to give black men the right to vote before they gave white women the right to vote. It was just like, wow, they gave like former slaves the right to vote just because they were male, while their own wives and mothers and sisters and daughters had to fight for suffrage. It was just like, wow. Yeah, being a man, I mean, so many of these clubs, right, that lead to business, uh, country clubs, or, you know, those weird ones, Call of Motherhood, the Illuminati, all those weird clubs are geared towards, you know, you know I mean, literally, brotherhood. 
consolidating business amongst men. Period. And just like, how? How? Like, well, how is that okay? And this whole good old boys club is still, you know, alive and well. It is with a few like token, you know, black men to come in and and participate, but at least they kind of get to participate, even in a tokenized way. Um, But yeah, and then this thing with the internet, I mean, I have a love hate. I love technology. I just started with TikTok and I'm terrible at it. I only have two posts. I don't know what that thing is. I'm starting to feel like (laughs) someone's one of, I'm starting to feel like one of the aunties now because I'm like, look, uh, what is this? But I'm I'm committed (laughs) to being uncomfortable. I'm committed to being uncomfortable and learning it um, because, you know, I just don't want to, I don't want to, you know, date myself or out date myself out of a job or a position. And, um, it's just the one of the most pervasive things I see is just all of this cultural appropriation, all of this black fishing, all of this digital blackface, all of these memes with Nene leaks and all this sass and these sassy memes. But do you know black people? Do you advocate for black people? Like it's always, why can't I say the N word is in the song, but never, I, why can't you advocate for my freedom, for my equality? you know exactly and uh a lot of people like this woman that just came out and said hey i'm I'm not actually black i pretended for years and she's received scholarships awards jobs based on essentially black fishing like like a form of blackface you're talking about the um rachel the lady rachel oh rachel dolezal but there's a there's another one there's the new rachel dolezal i'm gonna see if i can try to find her name um she came out and said she was um jewish and um that she's been pretending to be uh afro-latina for years that's just like so interesting and then i just think that it's like again it's like putting a costume on right like, it's not a costume. I mean, that's a problem across the board where, and her name is Jessica Krug. She was a, a professor. She had a lot of success. She may have even written books on the diaspora, you know, which is so wild. But, you know, when you think about wearing feathers at Coachella and wearing a bindi, like when Stefani always wore a bindi, you know, Henna. And um, it's always like, let me move the people and their feelings out of the way and let me just wear this as a costume. Right. And then when I'm done, I'll just take it off. I think that uh, not to be bringing up like TV shows or anything, but there's a very interesting. Bring it up. Yeah, I've been really following this show, um, Lovecraft Country. I think it's like, terribly interesting if you haven't seen it i won't give away you know too much about the plot i know some people don't like spoilers no, no i really but it's, it's this this last episode that aired yesterday sunday evening was so interesting because it really did attempt to address this interplay that we're talking about this blackness and this femaleness um, and being comfortable in one's own skin. And one of the characters received a potion 
that allowed her to change her physical appearance to be a white woman. And it just, it was just so interesting. I was showed her moving through her life as a white woman and then moving through her life, you know, as a black woman and the interplay is just so interesting to me. And I thought like, wow, I'm happy that, you know, someone else is trying to talk about being in this place of being like a black woman and what that means and how that feels and how others perceive you. So without giving away too much, it's like it really tapped on that. And, um, you know, her, uh, obviously her experiences in, um, like, you know, it seems to be set in about 1940, 1950s Chicago. Her experiences, you know, are trying to get a job at Marshall Fields was in her black skin and um, being awarded the assistant manager role in her white skin without ever having even been, you know, a, a sales clerk. It's just terribly interesting. And then her like her subsequent treatment of the only black employee was very interesting right. too. People don't realize how much weight you have to carry as a as a token or if it's just like, you know, companies love to be like, well, we got one, you know, or we have two. <laughs> They're like, Greg's black. Yeah. So you're like, okay. They're good black, so. That's right, black. they've gone through the ringer and uh I know for a fact that I apply and interview way more than my white peers, if you will, for things. Like, I know that. It it takes so long for me to then go to the next thing. You have to be overqualified practically for your position for them to take a chance on, like, a, 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 you know, a black black, A black person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one person, one black for the office, you know, and, and I understand that now it's like all this diversity, equity, and inclusion. What's so funny about that is that I love how racism is a is something that white people built, and I feel like they have to dismantle it. Like they have to step up and dismantle that. But it's also our weight to carry professionally. Most of diversity, equity, inclusion people are either women or women of color or black women. Like, like that's you all's problem. You handle that problem. And really it should be them dismantling it. It shouldn't just be like, I'm the affirmative action hire. I'm the diversity, you know, officer here to police, you know, make sure that they, and basically make sure that companies don't get sued for discrimination, essentially. Right. So make sure that that, Area's been covered, and um, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you because it does, it is an add on, you know, it's like an add on, it's like extra instead of just like taking this system apart, like brick by brick. Um, also, too, in the education system, I mean, I think this is another place where you know, I, I'm sad to say that these stereotypes are lived out, um, repeatedly. And systematically, and I, I just think that like just all our major societal systems were built on this false premise that black people are inferior. 
and that women are It's inferior. the worst lie ever told. It's the <laughs> it's, worst. Everything's built on that premise. And so, like, honestly, like, as I'm getting older, I'm looking at things, I'm like, no, it's true. Dismantlement is the only way for us to really move forward. I don't think we should keep trying to repair some of these broken systems. I think we need to restructure them, period. We should stop right. trying I mean, to repair. You could, start, you could start with just like, wow, everyone's so Christian, but you don't do unto others. You don't treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, so, especially racists love to bring up Christian values. And it's like, have you actually tried to um, treat a Black person as a human being first before coming up with all these assumptions? There's all this fear and nervousness around you know connecting with someone black on just a humane level I mean so many friends usually the way I think interracial relationships just even friendships girlfriends start is through work because they probably grew up in an area where there was little to no people of color you know their neighborhood their schools everything is segregated damn near from birth hospital from the time you come in to the time you go off to college it's like you grow up with this very specific environment this this group of people that are allowed and monitored into your life you know and you go to work and you're like oh grandma was wrong about black people or whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know like grandma was wrong you know she's kind of cool you know and, and then you don't know what to do with that because you've been taught so much bullshit you've been conditioned yeah and it's just like the way and that's why I think that you know integration is like to me it's very important I think that as long as we like a place like Chicago that's extremely segregated I mean Chicago is so segregated that <laughs> Yeah, Martin Luther King came here and declared it the most segregated city in America. And this is coming from a man who, you know, lived in Deep South and his his home was bombed and he had many threats on his life. Yet he felt that Chicago was more segregated than Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> uh, Chicago is that. I read an article, it's called does Midwest niceness is like it's kind of understood that Midwest people are technically nice people um, but does it feed into racism meaning like there's all this respectability politics around being nice to people of color and appearing to be liberal and not racist but there's no way in hell you want to live near them your kids to go to school with them date them marry them you, you know there's still all this uh cultural segregation and so Chicago was just a weird kind of racism that I have not experienced in LA I think LA is so used to so many different kinds of people because of the entertainment industry no one's really from here there's so many people in and out globally like New York and LA you know I I feel like those cities are unique whereas Chicago is like people grow up there they stay there and Mm -hmm. everyone has their role they have a black mailman and they love their black mailman but like you know right their black friend that's as far as it goes oh that's as far as it goes yeah but i love my black bus driver right he's the man you know he's the best you know he better just keep driving that bus he better stay right where he is and i noticed that i was like wow i came out of school hungry 
it's weird too because education and you can speak to this too tina it's a meritocracy right it's like your work shows your worth and it shows your talent and you're like all right and by the time you leave you're like all right i'm 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 that educated bitch. I'm going to get that job. I'm going to go after some cool stuff. And you start doing it. And it's just like that door starts slamming in your face. And you're like, wow, it really doesn't matter what education I have. They're just not about to hire a black woman. You, you, you get that vibe, right? I mean, so many times coming out to the waiting room, like Nicole Briggs, you know, I have that like very, you know, ambiguous name that could be white and could be like Nicole Briggs, Nicole Briggs, and you do too, Tina Walker. It could and, go either uh, way. And then they come up to, you know, I've seen them go up to white women and like, Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. And then I'm like, I'm Nicole. And oh my God. Oh, oh, oh you're yeah. Nicole. You, you, you see <laughs> yeah. that shit eating, that shit eating grin comes on their face and they are not fucking with you, but they're going to take the time to interview you and then not hire you. And you, you kind of get that right away from the first interaction. And I felt that so many times that feels so crappy because you know, you're not, oh you're God. not being treated fairly. You're not going to be given a chance and you really need a damn job. Yeah. And it's like, see another one. Okay. Try again. And so like looking for that, like fair shake, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to um, because I think a lot of times people are looking for a certain image of a person they're, or, they're, or I've heard this a lot before too like we're looking for the person who's going to complete the team so what that is cold word for is somebody that you know looks like us the team yeah that likes to do the things you know it's always that the team thing, right right, right. What the team likes to do. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm not. Right. Well, if the team all looks the same, yeah. and it, it, you know, they all like to do the same kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> so you're like, oh, okay. You know, understood. <laughs> and it's just like, wow. And so I guess for me, like, my feeling, I'm wondering why I just would like to see us creating more opportunities for ourselves instead of looking for. I really for, think like, that's happening. I mean, 2020 is a, a, a dumpster fire for sure. But what I do see happening is while we have the ears of allies, the people who can actually advocate for us and dismantle it, because at the same time, I've had some wonderful white people in my life, got really lucky that way from educators to mentors to, you know, a few bosses. Yes. Unfortunately, usually when white women boss, I have to be honest, it's like, rarely a good experience but you know like <laughs> it, it, <laughs> rarely. Um, it, it, it rarely like I can really count I'm shit you not on one you know how many jobs Tina you know me in the jobs yes <laughs> you know me, like my work like even in high school it's like I, I'm getting a job I'm getting all you bitches jobs that's too. right you know, like see you see you at the local gap Exactly. Gap, Starbucks, you name it. I'm working there. I'm, you know, cause I think financial independence is, the, is one of the ways that women can somewhat, you know, gain a little bit of freedom. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's just like, I appreciate allies, but to really dismantle it, they have to get uncomfortable and it has to be a little bit more radical. Like I've watched, for instance, white women that are bosses, and then there's another woman, white woman, that gets hired. And they're like, 
connected instantly. And and I get that because when there's another black woman hired at a job, I usually connect up, man, it's another sister. Thank God, you know. And right. um, it's a sense of relief that someone who's had your experience is, is working there with you. But at the same time, the power of that be, I watched them mentor women offer mentorship, like even force it on white women. And, and I'm over here starving for mentorship and, and career development. And I'm like, hey, like, I would like some of that. And we don't get that. They feel like they stop at the hiring. You get the job and then they're like, Phew. they wipe the sweat from their brow and they're like, my work here is done. Hire the black. And it's like, right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the beginning of the story. And is it just a compliance? issue like did you just do it on it for compliance yeah 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 it has to be more genuine authentic heartfelt and welcoming people you notice this you do notice it it's your indian engineer is a genius or your you know like i feel like it's so insidious a little bit more with black people it's so hard to Hard, the hardest to connect with us you know I feel like it's easier for white people to connect with immigrants versus like African Americans whose families have been here since the very beginning yeah and that divide is real and you know and it could be and a lot of it you know sometimes people feel guilty about stuff and they just don't know what to do and, and so I think that by opening up these conversations especially 2020 2020 has been like just the most like kick the door in in your face year uh i think everyone's had to like face their own mortality in a way that they probably never really thought about before everyone has had to kind of prioritize and reevaluate what's like really important and i think everyone's had like a little bit of time to kind of pause and think about how others might be feeling it's like it's been like a year where I think empathy is kind of like in the front more so than ever and so I I agree with you I think it's right to like strike while the iron is hot and take the momentum that's coming out of this year and just like not stop there but really use it to push ourselves to like evaluate how groups of individuals have been marginalized and just treated for not like years not decades but for centuries yeah yeah i mean no one's saying it's going to happen overnight and now there's this new thing i mean black lives matter has become black lives marketing it's so funny i had a friend and he's he's, uh making you know protest t-shirts with black imagery in the t-shirts but he's he's white i think he's like a quarter latino but i mean he's like a white man and um he identifies that way and um i was like man i'd love to talk to you about your uh, campaign, you know, with uh, against police brutality in your clothing line, and he was like, "No, I don't want to talk about that." And, and and I felt some kind of way because you want if you looked at his brand, you would think it was a black brand. And the way that he uses black bodies. So- that you would think he would want to support black creators and that's what I mean is I think black people give allies opportunity to be supportive and show up in a certain way and sometimes they out of discomfort they can miss those opportunities so what I'm saying is if you're 
if you're white and you're listening, my, my small but, you know, important audience, you know, when you make a black friend at work, you can be friends with her. That's allowed. <laughs> like, right. And expect it, maybe. <laughs> right, like right, right. Like, friend. it's weird. It's like, I, I, I kind of yeah, expect I to be this abrupt, this abrupt stop when I feel like I have like a cool friend at work and, and, and I, you know, me, I make friends with everybody. Like I have all kinds of friends, even old friends, like, and you know, then I try to kind of link with them after, you know, even though we don't work together anymore. And and sometimes it's just this abrupt, like, I don't know you, like I'm a stranger. And it it was just like, Oh, you were tolerating me at work. Gotcha. Like, like, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought (laughs) I made a mistake. I thought you were my friend for real. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I stand corrected. Um, I think I, I sort of reference. I think that's what Tupac described with Janet Jackson after they finished making Poetic Justice. He was so hurt because he's like, like he's like literally like the next day after we stopped filming, she changed her number, and it's like it affected oh him so God. deeply. He was just like, wow. He's like, he was just shocked. He's like, I thought. I thought we were friends. <laughs> but I guess it was just for the movie. <laughs> like, damn. I felt his pain, though, in that interview. I remember that. I was like, aww. She was tolerating his ass. Just for the movie. <laughs> as soon as the movie was over, her number was... Completely- she was like, don't get it twisted. This is just work, buddy. Right. Like, I just want to make sure we had chemistry on. <laughs> now it's over. Uh. God. Yeah, well, Tina, first of all, I just want to say that I adore you. I love you, and you have been a good black lady in my life oh, and authentic so and real since day one. You know, usually seniors and juniors don't make friends with the um the class right them. They're underclassmen, but we I made an exception for you and um, <laughs> for you and Tony. <laughs> And I'm so glad so that I did. They're just like, she's just talking you. like you're so much older than me. We we're talking about one year, <laughs> maybe a matter of months. Maybe, you maybe were a even sophomore. a matter of months. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we bonded immediately so many years ago, and it's just always a pleasure to talk to you, Nicole. Because you had a fresh outlook on things, and what I love the most about you, you are always learning. Oh, I'm obsessed with that shit. That's called being an autodidact all day. You know, I'm constantly reading and research. Kenny, my, my brother was like, you're maniacal with this research. <laughs> and that's going to be a truth warrior. But I was like, maniacal? That's a little deep, Kenny. Thank you. <laughs> but only, only a right. Witch like I'm a witch describe. about which I am kind of a witch. I'm kind of a witch, too. Yeah, I'm um, kind of a witch, too. That's another show, Black Witches. That's another show, Black Witches, and we could, and hopefully I get to watch this Lovecraft. I feel left out. I feel like not at the cool kids' table in the cafeteria yeah, right now. You'll because... have to check it out, and you'll have to hang in there too. It's like oh, just an interesting blend of like horror and sci-fi, and it's just like for me personally, I just love horror films, as you know, I love them, and I just love seeing different characters being scared. I just liked yeah. it. I was like, oh, here's a chance to see a different type of character. And the characters are not one-dimensional. And, and you know, the female characters in the show have been given such, like, 
just free reign to be. Um, yeah, I I'm really glad that, that I feel like Get Out, you know, Jordan Peele, he really set the tone for allowing us to be other shit other than the normal sad, you know, nostalgic or slave or, yeah. you know, pick any pick any stereotype and that's what it is and um we, we're definitely more complex than that so i can't wait to You're steal somebody's hbo it. side in and, and watch it you know? <laughs> i'll give you mine i'll text it to you <laughs> see Again. and that's what friendship is about using each other's streaming sign-ins and passwords I'll text you the um, that's password friendship. right now <laughs> that's friendship that is fine <laughs> hey that's black female exactly. friendship Exactly. I know somebody has had my Netflix for years, and I don't even know how many people have it anymore. I'm like, you know what? I did not. That's that's not the movie I was like watching, but but it's all good. (laughs) I've got people who got profiles. Exactly. I'm like, who the hell is this? Um, Who is this? They're gonna get deleted. My son's like, oh, that's my best friend. Like, oh, okay, he cool. He could be on there. That's fine. Exactly. Um, but I'll end on a good note. I mean, progress is is near. We may not live to see full, but, you know, congratulations, Naomi Osaka, and congrats to her being fearless about representing and protesting with her mask the entire time. And stop trying to control Caster Semenya's body. She is a talented, gifted runner. Stop trying to make her take drugs to make her less strong. That is, again, trying to control a Black woman's body. Um, But thank you all for listening. Tina, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you. Oh, the pleasure was all mine, Nicole. And until next time, as I always say, peace.